And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we're transmitting live from our station. So thank you for tuning in for today's audio cast, as we're going to continue to talk about the seven people of the seven churches of Revelation. And today we're with highlighting Phil from Philadelphia as we look at Revelation chapter 3. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for giving us these letters uh, 2,000 years ago, Lord, to tell us about the church age and about how we should live our lives as Christians. Uh, Lord, help us understand what you're trying to teach us so that we may grow in our faith and our knowledge of you. We thank you, Lord, for all those who are tuned in. In your precious and wonderful name, amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV radio edition as we're talking about the seven people of the seven churches of Revelation. Phil from Philadelphia. Nathan, it's great to have you on the program. Talk to me. How was your week today? Great, brother. Good to be on and uh, keeping busy in ministry just like you. And so we praise the Lord. Yeah, exciting, exciting. Uh, so, Nathan, also, we, we're entering into a lot of wonderful new seasons this upcoming year. Can you believe, Nathan, it's already uh, almost March, right? It feels like the year just started. Yeah. <laughs> Was it the older we get, the faster time goes by? You are not kidding. You're not kidding. But it's been exciting. This has been a wonderful year. Uh, I know your ministry, you guys are involved in a lot of wonderful things. And you told me you guys just finished one of your inboxes. Can you talk to us a little bit about the ministry and some of the things that you're involved in in case someone is new to the program? Right. Well, as Internet evangelist here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, I answer all the Bible questions that come into the ministry. It's one of the few things I do. And find that people aren't just uh, reading learners, sometimes they're visual learners. So we decided to take some of the more popular questions we get and create short videos uh, called the Inbox that teach people about uh, Bible prophecy, particularly the questions that they're looking to have answered. And we try to make them creative and fun and put a lot of work and effort into them so that, that they could be shared on the internet and used to teach other people. And so folks can find those on our website at christinprophecy.org. They can also find them on our YouTube channel, which is Christ in Prophecy. And we put them on our app. We have a Lamb Lion app as well. So we try to get them all out there for people to see and share and grow in their faith and understanding of Jesus Christ. Ooh, praise the Lord. And Nathan, that is fantastic. And, and those little inboxes are just so informative. They're short. Now, why specifically did you make those short, Nathan? Is there a reason why? <laughs> well, the YouTube generation watches videos that are, say, five to seven minutes, anything much longer, and you start losing people. So we knew that we had to keep them short. Matter of fact, most companies now are starting to make TV shows for YouTube that are real short. They're bite-sized, especially for kids. So we decided to follow that uh, since that's the way the market's going, so to speak. And uh, so six to five, six, seven minutes seem to do it. It's, it's just enough to explain but not too long for people to start losing their attention. Well, you make a great point, man. Look at the Super Bowl. I think those are like 30-second commercials, right? <laughs> yeah, anything more, you start losing people. So you, you've got to give them the, you know, you, some people might want a dissertation, and we have plenty of articles on our website at christinprophecy.org where people can read more and more on the topic. But if you're looking for a short answer that, that visually uh, hopefully is uh, imprinted in your head, then the inbox videos should be the way to go. Mm, excellent point. So again, those of you that are tuned in, we want to encourage you, uh, take advantage of those incredible, incredible resources. 
uh, so that you may continue to grow uh, in the knowledge of biblical prophecy. So very excited. Thank you, Nathan Jones. And of course, Nathan, you and I, we have started this wonderful series uh, talking about the seven people of the seven churches, making it personal. So anyone that is tuned into the program would not just simply think that this is for someone else, but they can apply this to themselves and say, what does the Lord have to say to me as a church member? And you've been taking us through the various churches. We are up to church number six today, Philadelphia. But before we continue, Nathan, might you be able to recap briefly some of the churches that we've already talked about? You bring up a great uh, point, Vic, that we can learn a lot about our Christian walk through Jesus addressing these churches. He introduces himself with one of his traits uh, that uh, basically Jesus describes himself a bit differently to each of the churches. He then tells them what they're doing right. Then he tells them what they're doing wrong. Then he challenges them to come back to him and overcome whatever they're doing wrong. And if they don't, this is what happens. But if they do, this is what happens. And he ends each one with, he who has an ear, let him hear with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, says to the churches. So for each of these churches, there were seven actual churches in what was Asia Minor at the time, now modern-day Turkey. And so these letters that he gave John while he was on the island of Patmos in exile, once John got off and got back to Ephesus, the letters started in Ephesus and made their way in a clockwise direction around Asia Minor. And each of these churches would read these articles and be like, oh, this is what God wants us to do. Uh, they also happen to represent time periods within the church. It's interesting that as you look at church history, you can see in sequential order uh, a different, I guess you would call it characteristic or personality of each church seems to reflect a particular time period. And then we could also see each of these churches in modern day churches. Uh, many of our churches face the same types of spiritual struggles. And they have to overtoken them as well. So the Lord, it's interesting, he, he does reference a particular person or a particular church. But a lot of times through that teaching, he's also addressing a much broader audience. Mm, excellent point, Nathan. And this is why, of course, uh, for anyone tuning in, it's also a personal message, which is part of what we're going to continue to seek after here. So that anyone that is able to follow along with us there in the book of Revelation chapter Three, I uh, can see how Jesus was so personal in his message in terms of encouraging and also correcting the churches. So, yeah, Nathan, if you can take us to Revelation chapter three uh, and take us through that wonderful church number six, uh, that will be fantastic as we do this verse by verse uh, discussion uh, of the seven people of the seven churches. Okay, well, addressing, uh, as you call him, Phil from Philadelphia. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, we're going to read verses 7 through 13. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name 
of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Mm, I love that, Nathan. And again, there it is, is whoever has an ear, and I'm sure whoever is tuned in, they have ears. So that means that it's applicable to every one of us that is tuned into this program. So, Nathan, I mean, I love the way he opens to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. So, Nathan, you talked to us a, a little bit about an angel. What, what, what are we talking about? Who is this in reference to? Well, we know that uh, each Christian, maybe not every Christian, but we know that, that Christians have guardian angels. Certainly every child has a guardian angel. And the Bible makes a case that the churches are protected by angels. The term angel means messenger, angelos. So it could also refer to the pastor. So this letter is being written to the pastor, the guardian angel, the protector of the church, and very well likely a angel, an angelic being as well, protects each of the churches. And that's whom the Lord is addressing this letter to. I love that. And then Nathan also, now we're addressing the church in Philadelphia, and you have done a great job in giving us a little bit of the a background, where that's located, what was going on. What was special about Philadelphia? What was going on in that time? Well, bear in mind, when we're talking about Philadelphia, we're talking about the Philadelphia and Asian minor first century. We're not talking about the Philadelphia and Pennsylvania today. With the Philly cheesesteaks, Nathan, that's not the one? That's not the one, no. No cheesesteaks and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, hoagies and all that stuff. No, 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 no. Philadelphia in, is named, and the one in Pennsylvania is named after the one in Asia Minor. No, we're talking about Philadelphia there. And uh, it was a, a, one of the cities at that time period that was on the route that the Revelation letters, as it went around Asia Minor, one of the last was Philadelphia. Second to last, to be exact. Mm. And, and of course, and, and thank you for sharing that for anyone tuned in. If you have a study Bible, if you flip to the back of your study Bible, sometimes you'll find a map there. And uh, when Nathan was talking about Asia Minor, this is a modern-day Turkey, right, Nathan? Right. And when you asked about what makes Philadelphia special, what makes Philadelphia special out of all seven of these churches is that God has no criticism of it whatsoever. Philadelphia is doing everything right. Mm. And, of course, Nathan, I love that because uh, we know today— uh, uh, the churches, this could be a great encouragement. There's a lot of wonderful churches out there doing wonderful work, and they can take comfort. And also believers that are part of these churches can take great comfort. And this is why this message is also personal. So if you're a Christian and you're doing the right thing in the right church, supporting the church, uh, again, this is a commendation, right, Nate? Yeah, we can look to Philadelphia and see what they're doing right. In a typical fashion, Jesus opens up by, and if you have a, like you said, a red letter Bible, you see all this is in red letters. Jesus didn't just speak in the Gospels. He spoke all throughout the book of Revelation, and he introduces himself. He, he introduces himself as holy, that he's true. We can trust what he says. He has the key of David. In other words, that he will sit on the Davidic throne in the millennial kingdom one day, and that nobody can stop what he does. If he opens it, no one can shut it. And if he shuts it, no one can open it. <laughs> he is the supreme being. And he introduces himself to us, to especially the Church of Philadelphia, as that way. He says, I'm unstoppable. And, you know, Nathan, I like that because the Bible says the good work that he started in us, he will be faithful to complete it. So there's no stopping the good work that he started in us. Right. Verse 8, I know your works. In other words, God is not only all-powerful, omnipotent, but he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows what we're doing. He knows what the church in Philadelphia was doing. 
He knew the previous churches like Sardis and Ephesus. He knows what you and I are doing. He knows what the Christians are doing. He knows everything about our works. And that begs the question, what kind of good works are you doing for the Lord? I mean, he gave us a life to serve him before we get to heaven. How are we using that work? Well, we can look at the Church of Philadelphia and see what they're doing and realize they're a great example for how we should be living our lives. Mm. Nathan, I love that. I love verse 8. Again, we see there, I have set before you an open door. Uh, we can look at opportunities here, Nathan. We can look at a lot of things, right? And, and here's a church because it also says that they had little strength, but they were faithful, right? They kept the word of the Lord. And that's some of the things that we're looking for today in what churches can model after. If we look at the churches as also representative time periods, we can see it as that great missionary uh, time period between, say, 1750 and 1925, where especially England sent out missionaries all over the planet. The gospel was spreading like crazy during that time. And when the Lord says he opens the door, in other words, he gives us the opportunity to go out. We saw most of the West get Christianized. We saw the gospel spreading throughout the British colonies and around the world. It was a fantastic time of spiritual growth, at least up to 1925 when the German School of Higher Criticism came into the seminaries and started making people doubt their faith and saying that evangelism wasn't important. And then we saw kind of evangelism putter out after World War I. But for the most part, the, the Lord opened the door. The church during that time period, though, was weak and small, gathered what resources it had, and the gospel just exploded all over the earth. Wow, Nathan. And of course, I mean, just on verse 8 alone, we can spend a, a whole hour there talking about some of the things they did. They kept my word and did not. And we find that today that seems to be like the Bible says that there's going to be a famine of the word. And for Christians and believers in churches... <laughs> We need to really hold tight to the true Word of God. That's why we love to do these teachings verse by verse, Nathan, so people can be encouraged through the Word. Absolutely. And here the Lord says He's kept His Word. In other words, we can always count on the Lord's promises. Whatever He says, that will He do. So the, the people, they, if you look at that time period, you see that some of the deepest faith in all of Christianity comes out of the Church of Philadelphia. We see that they never denied his name, even amongst torture, amongst tribes and peoples that would kill the missionaries. Uh, they wouldn't refuse Jesus. They stood up for him. They wouldn't deny his name. They, they had a faith that would make us today as pastors and teachers weep because we do not see it in the church today. But at that time period, especially when you read the Puritan writings, you see a depth of spirituality that was way beyond most of what any of us has today. Mm, excellent point, Nathan. Excellent point. And again, you're tuning into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're talking about the seven people of the seven churches uh, in the book of Revelation. Nathan, we also notice this church was not free from troubles because according to verse 9, apparently there was satanic attack there. Right, right. It talks about the synagogue of Satan. This isn't the first time we hear about the synagogue of Satan. Uh, at the time period, when you go back to the first church, Ephesus, the early church had a lot of struggling with against Jews in the synagogues because they saw Christianity as a cult. They were the cult that was teaching and pulling people away from Judaism. Uh, that's not to say that the synagogue of Satan are the Jewish people. The anti-Semites take this verse and they run with it. And they say, oh, look, 
The Jewish people today are the synagogue of Satan, and the Jewish people will worship before the feet of the church. Absolutely not. Look at the verse. It says here, who say they are Jews and are not. These are not Jewish people we're talking about. These are people masquerading as other religions, but they're really working for Satan. And Satan will continually work against the church, and he worked hard against the missionaries of this time. And Nathan, I love that because we find that <clears throat> we need to clarify those points. You know, there's individuals out there that they take Scripture out of context. Those that also say that God is through with Israel. Well, now is the church's time to excel, and God is... But that's not accurate either, Nathan. God is not through with, with, with Israel. Right. I don't know how many times that people who hate the Jewish people and think Israel should be obliterated will turn to Revelation 3.9 and say, Look, 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 see? God's done with the Jews. And totally ignore Romans 9 through 11 and other verses which say that, no, the Lord might have put them aside as a people, but we are to, to continue to evangelize to them. There are The church started out as a Jewish entity, and uh, when we get to the tribulation, it will end a Jewish entity. So, uh, yes, the Lord isn't done with the Jews. These are, are false people under the name of Judaism or other religions who are standing against the work of God. But, like Jesus said, when he opens a door, no one can shut it. And he opened a door for these missionaries, and the missionaries spread the gospel all over the world. Mm, excellent point. Again, you tune into the truth to set you free. We also recognize some of you are live on social media and you have questions for us. Feel free to post those questions for us and we would love to be able to uh, reply to them as we get an opportunity. So go right ahead. So we thank you for tuning in and keeping us in prayer. So Nathan, again, this is very exciting because we find here that there's a lot uh, to be said about this church they were going through challenges, they were going through trials, but they did not deny the Lord's name. Uh, they continue to be faithful. Uh, and then, Nathan, we get to verse 10, and sometimes that verse there can be a little bit uh, challenging for some. some. Some view this erroneously. This is because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And of course, there is this belief that the church will go through the tribulation, but I think this speaks differently here. Right. This tribulation, this seven-year time period, which uh, we can read about as we go through uh, Revelation uh, through 5 through 19, is a seven-year time period. Daniel called it his 70th week. It's a time period where God will bring judgment upon the world. And will the church be on the earth during that tribulation? Obviously not. Uh, Revelation 3.10 here is very specific. It says, hey, look, you're a faithful, you're a faithful church. You have persevered through all the trials and hardships of this world. And so he promises. This is a promise. Remember, he, he said just a little earlier that he always keeps his word, that he will deliver the church from the hour of trial, the tribulation, that will test the world. He is coming, and then it's tied to verse 11, behold, I am coming quickly. In other words, when he comes, it'll be real fast. The, the rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 describe the rapture as happening in the blink of an eye, uh, super quick. And when he comes, he will come quickly. And so here he's promising the church. He says, hey, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not have to go through the tribulation of any of the verses in the whole Bible. That's one of the best supports for a pre-tribulation rapture. It is Revelation 3.10. Mm, excellent point. And Nathan, of course, like I said, we 
we believe individuals out there have different beliefs. We we uh, we can sometimes agree to disagree, but I believe Scripture supports the fact that the church uh, will not go through the tribulation, the bride of Christ, and. Um, Again, we find that to be clear. Nathan, verse 11 is another one that really grabs our attention because we also recognize that we should be ready for the coming of the Lord at, at any moment, right? Absolutely. Matter of fact, he calls them overcomers. Uh, to every church that overcomes their trials and tribulations, he calls them overcomers. Now, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are an overcomer. Will you have troubles and trials and difficulties to face afterwards? Absolutely. Jesus promised that if you followed him, the world would hate you because they hate him. But if you overcome, if you stay to the faith, you continue in the faith, then he promises, hey, you will be part. You are the church. You have been saved. Jesus says he holds us in his hands. Nobody can snatch us out of his hands, John 10. And uh, he will take us to heaven one day before this time of testing, this hour of trial, which is coming to the world, the tribulation. And you know, Nathan... Uh yeah, and verse 11, he says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. And I believe that's always been the sounding uh, there for all believers of all ages. Look up, the Lord is coming quickly. But Nathan, of course, some will say, Man, well, what is quickly? It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they mistake it. When you think quickly, you think, Oh, yeah, around next week, maybe month. But they didn't mean quickly. It's obviously been 2,000 years. Uh, here and then we see it in Revelation 22. Three times he says, I'm coming back quickly, I'm coming back quickly. You know, obviously, no, it's not, we've misinterpreted uh, something's lost between the Greek and the English, but it means that when he comes, it'll happen quickly. And that's yes. why you know, we read about the rapture. It happens very quickly. So to me, it's plain as day that the church will be raptured before the tribulation. Here he's talking about crowns, where there's Stephanos, they are awarded crowns. Not crowns that a king wears, but a crowns that you're rewarded for doing good works. And so he's saying, hey, while you're here on the earth, while you're waiting your life before the rapture, or at least before you die, then we're here to serve the Lord. What are you doing that will, once you get to heaven and you participate in the judgment of the just, will get a Stephanos, a crown, a reward, an object that you will use to worship the Lord forever, that you'll cast before the Lord as an eternal act of worship. That's our crowns. We're forging them each and every day. Every good work we do in the name of the Lord will uh, be visible, actually, on us throughout eternity. Isn't that amazing to think? Nathan, I think that is fantastic. I think that is also very, very encouraging because there's nothing else that I would love to be doing than serving the Lord whenever he returns. Of course, we know uh, 2 Peter 3, 9 and 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, the Bible tells us that uh, to the Lord, well, you know, a thousand years is as a day and that this day is a thousand years. And the Bible teaches the Lord is coming back as a thief. So in other words, God, God is outside of time. So uh, sometimes we are the ones who need to be a little patient. Right. The universe might be a given time. It has a beginning and an end. But for God, he is outside of time. He is outside of creation. He has no beginning and he has no end. So you're right. We, we know that uh, uh, this time will pass and we look forward to the future. We're, I almost like to think of us that we're kind of in an embryonic stage waiting for the birth. Our, our human bodies are the embryonic stage waiting for the rebirth into our glorified bodies. And he makes some promises in verse 12 about what that life after this life will be like. For one, if you're an overcomer, in other words, you're saved. You're a pillar in the temple of God. Heaven itself is God's temple, and a pillar is something that holds it up. In other words, we'll be a crucial part, a, 
uh, as a, the population of heaven, we will be one of the pillars in heaven. And we won't have to go out anymore and, and do the work of an evangelist because everybody will be saved during that time period. He also says he's going to write on us the name of God. The Bible tells us in other verse that we will be given new names on white stones and that we will have the citizenship of the new Jerusalem, that eternal city that he will put on the new earth, which we can read about in Revelation 21 and 22. So we will become residents of the new earth. We're, we're learning here about what our lives will be like after this like. And uh, brother, it's exciting to think about it too, too, that we will be like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We will see our Heavenly Father, and we will walk and talk and have fellowship with Him once more. Ooh, that, Nathan, that is fantastic news, and that's why for you and I, when we talk about Bible prophecy, we're talking about good news. Sometimes people fear uh, the future and Bible prophecy, but we're looking at this from a positive uh, perspective in terms of what awaits the believer, the Christian. So the key here is, are you a believer? Are you doing good works unto the Lord? Have you trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you have not, as we often do before the closing of our programs, we give you an opportunity to respond wherever you are, whether it's social media or you listen to us live now or pre-broadcast message. Uh, the message is still the same. God loves you. He has a plan for your life, but you are to, re to repent and turn to Him. And Nathan, will you maybe give that person an opportunity who hasn't trusted in Christ and how they can start that relationship with him even right now? Well, again and again, the Lord says to the churches to be overcomers. And who is it that overcomes this world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And we can approach God once more by through his Son, Jesus Christ, by accepting Jesus as the Son of God and our Savior. And we come to the Lord repentance. We live in rebellion against God. So we have to repent to, in other words, to be reconciled with God again. And we can do that just from a start from our heart by praying something like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus promises to do just that. Your sins will be forgiven. Jesus paid. He did all the work on the cross. He beat death for you. Your punishment was on him. So you are now free. You can stand before the Father as one of the pillars of the temple of God, so to speak, where we can be residents of the new Jerusalem. And hey, look at the end of verse 12. And it says, I will write on him my new name. Jesus will have a brand new name. He won't be called Jesus or Yeshua anymore. He's got a new name that nobody knows yet. But when it says he will write his name on us, it means that we are his children. We become his and that's a wonderful relationship, a father-child relationship throughout eternity. And you can have that by accepting Jesus as your Savior. Ooh, and we say hallelujah. Hey, maybe you just trusted in Christ. Maybe you are that Phil from Philadelphia and the Lord has spoken to you. We'd love for you to uh, write to us. We would love to rejoice with you. The Bible says every time one sinner repents, there's rejoicing in heaven, a celebration for everyone who turns to Christ. And again, I believe the message is personal. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to you, the churches, the church member, whoever is listening to this program right now. And also a message for us as well. So Nathan, this has been a fantastic. It's always awesome just to see what the Holy Spirit has to reveal to us. Absolutely. And it's from the Holy Spirit, verse 13. <laughs> who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Holy Spirit is talking to us through this message. So the question that, that I'd like to leave us with is, how will you respond? If you feel the Holy Spirit moving in your heart, 
He's tugging you. He's calling you to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. How will you respond? Amen. And our prayers or response will be yes to the Lord because it is exciting to follow him. So, Nathan, again, this is a fantastic way to close this segment of our program. And, of course, for those of you that are tuning in, I want to encourage you to continue to read as we're going to wrap up the message in the next week or so. And I hope you can be encouraged. If maybe you tuned in for the first time, hey, why not read uh, the first two chapters of Revelation and be encouraged and catch up to these wonderful messages. So, Nathan, once again, thank you so much for being part of the program, me and my co-host here, and it's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Hey, pleasure's mine, brother. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, for those of you who have been tuning in, uh, continue to write up, your, write your questions on social media or get a hold of us. We'd love to hear from you and answer those questions that you might have. But for this segment of the program, we've come to an end of this segment of the program. And of course, we want to thank you for being part of a program. So Vic Batista and Nathan Jones, Again, thank you all for tuning in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And again, continue to serve the Lord. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Have a great week.